And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2017. And welcome to the show, and I hope you're having a great start to 2017 so far. Uh, we have a special show tonight. Our special guest is writer Allison Carmen. Uh, her book, she's been on the show before to discuss her book, called The Gift of Maybe, Finding Hope and Possibility in Uncertain Times. And we thought we'd have her back again because uh, this is one of those uncertain times where we're getting uh, right into the uh, inauguration of our new president-elect, Donald Trump, in, uh, I think, two days from now. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody's got a grip on things because there's been a lot of fear out there from uh, people in this country about uh, what's going to happen and uh, are we going to have tanks marching down the street or are we going to have good positive change? So uh, let's see. So we're going to bring Allison on in a few minutes. Uh, let's start out by uh, just reviewing what's going on out there uh, in the world and the guys, guys world. As you know, uh, the whole guys, guys brand is about when men, men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And that's it. It's positive. And uh, it all came out of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guy to Love, which is about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. From there, we started doing Guy's Guy's Radio a couple of years ago, and we've done uh, about 205 uh, podcasts to date, and our audience is growing, and we're having a blast doing it. And we've kind of evolved from just relationships to some spiritual, some wellness, some metaphysical, some entertainment, some sports. And we're having a really good time doing it. And we're getting a positive message out there, but not in a sanctimonious way. We're talking real and keeping it real. And hopefully we're uh, helping helping our guests and helping you out there, listeners, uh, to uh, learn some new stuff. I personally have gotten a free education from my 200 guests that I've had over the last couple of years. I've gotten a lot of books to read and questions to ask and things to think about. And it's been fantastic. So uh, thanks for your support and thanks for hanging in there with us. You can catch me uh, on my website, Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. I post a new blog, uh, about a thousand words or so, every one, one a week. I also publish uh, a new meme every day on Facebook and Twitter. You can catch me there at Robert Manny Author. Uh, and a Twitter at Robert Manny, a YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Robert Manny Author. Where we have some videos on there and some Q&A videos also. And also every podcast of Guys Guys Radio is available on Blog Talk Radio, where we're broadcasting from right now, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and soon to be, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, Google Play. We're getting there. It takes a Google Play is a little trickier, but we're going to be on there very shortly, I assure you. And the book, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, is uh, available. I'm still selling some copies. It's on Amazon. You can read the uh, reviews there, and you can get either the uh, ebook or the physical copy. My agent, uh, David Nelson, is out there pitching a couple of uh, Guy's Guy's nonfiction books right now. We're getting some good responses, and we'll see what happens there. So I've also got a screenplay. And a TV series developed. So if you know anybody who'd be interested, let me know. 
Let's talk about what's going on out there. As I mentioned, um, you know, we've got the inauguration of Donald J. Trump in a couple of days. A lot of people are nervous about that. I mean, one of the reasons, a couple of reasons. One, the uh, was the you know the election was hacked. Two, Trump's temperament. Uh, three, his cabinet choices are kind of uh, like the fox in the hen house. You've got this guy uh, who is nominated for to head up the EPA who's been in lawsuits against the EPA. You've got people who are for fossil fuels being heading up energy. You've got a secretary of state nominee, Rex Tillerson, who has deep ties to uh, Russia and uh, was CEO of uh, Exxon. So he's all about oil. And then for uh, secretary of uh, education, you have somebody who's never worked in education before who is against public education. And for uh, housing, you've got Ben Carson, who is a surgeon, are concerned. Also, the way Trump has treated the press has scared some people, including the press, because he seems to call outlets like NBC and CNN fake news. Yet he lets Brett Bart and uh, Fox News ask a lot of questions. And he's going to also now he's announced he's going to limit access to the White House to uh, outlets that he chooses. So this is disconcerting for a lot of people. And I think we all want to give the new president the chance and to be a unifier. But when he's tweeting out his uh, displeasure with Saturday Night Live or uh, different individuals, um, John Lewis, a uh, congressman who goes all the way back to working with Dr. Martin Luther King. He, uh, Trump's trashing him on Twitter. Uh, it's like, wh- what are you doing? So people are concerned. And we're going to talk about how to handle and deal with uncertain times when we have our guest, Allison Carmen, come on in a few minutes or so. Uh, but these are things that are troubling uh, a good portion of the population. Um, you have a lot of other people who are saying like, yeah, he's got to drain the swamp and we want it. We want new. We didn't like uh, Obama. We didn't like Hillary. And we want somebody who's going to shake things up and we'll take our chances. That's how down uh, on politics people are in this country. So maybe what will happen, and using the word maybe, maybe that Allison loves, is uh, that people will now become more aware of what's going on and they'll ask tougher questions and be more active in and how this country is being managed and uh, not take things for granted. So there's always, to me, there's always light uh, when there's darkness, there's always light and the light uh, almost always uh, outshines the darkness. And it actually, it always does. It's just sometimes you have to work a little harder to, to see that light and to use that light. So that's, uh, that's what we're facing elsewhere. Um, in the guys, guys world, we have uh the NFL playoffs, we're midway through, a little bit more than midway. We're down to four teams. We've got the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons this weekend at Atlanta. Green Bay had that uh, miraculous game against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm upset because I think the players did a great job, and I think the coaches really botched things up for them. I'll tell you why real quick. It's a couple of examples. One is uh, – Mismanagement of the clock. At the end of the first half, Dallas had the ball on the Green Bay's 15-yard line with two minutes left. And instead of milking the clock, I mean, you want to keep it out of quarterback Aaron Rodgers' hands, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. They didn't run the ball. They didn't use their stud running back, Zeke Elliott, and they passed a couple of times, and they ended up getting a field goal, and then they had to give the ball back to Green Bay, 
and I believe they scored again. They also elected at the end of the game to spike the ball with 49 seconds left on first down instead of running the ball. And then they threw a couple of passes and uh, incomplete. I think maybe one was complete and then they had some incompletions, but they didn't get a first down. They kicked the field goal. They had to give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with 35 seconds left and he got them in field goal position and they won. The Packers won. So here they are in Atlanta. Atlanta's led by quarterback Matt Ryan. They're playing at home. Should be a good game. I'm going to pick Atlanta in this game because I think that it's, uh, I think they're due. I think Green Bay's miracles are going to run out. That's just me. The other game, you've got Pittsburgh at New England. Um, my heart tells me go with the Steelers because they have this pre, three-pronged offense. They've got Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. They've got Le'Veon Bell at running back. They've got Antonio Brown, wide out, all three studs. But New England is New England. They're playing at home. They've got Tom Brady. They've got Bill, Bill Belichick, who's a great coach. And uh, I just think they're going to go all the way. Uh, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm a Jets season ticket holder, sad to say. But I think the Patriots somehow will find a way to get to the Super Bowl and play the Atlanta Falcons. So that's your guys' guys' pick for football. But it's a lot of fun. It, football's a distraction. But the games are good. And, you know, the game of football is built perfectly for the way we watch TV. You know, that whole rectangle of the TVs that we have now, it's just set up just like a football field and uh you know, at this time of year, perfect time to kick back on a Sunday and watch the game. So anyhow, I hope you're enjoying them uh, because it's not just a guy's thing. I mean, uh, I think uh, like about 40 percent, 35 to 40 percent of uh, merchandise sold for the NFL is to women. So women have really gotten into it. And also for fantasy football, there's a lot of women involved. Uh, let's get to our feature, our weekly feature. I do a thing called the Guys, Guys, Guide. And usually I kind of preview an upcoming blog post. So uh, this week I'm working on a blog post about how to detoxify, ways to detoxify your life. And when you think about detoxification, it all comes down to I'm actually visiting a uh, Ayurvedic doctor. And uh, I had a spat of a couple of growths, one on each kidney that I had robotically removed a couple of years ago. When I asked about that to my doctor, who fantastic doctor, they did a great job eliminating that and said, you know, 98% chance you'll never have to deal with this again. However, when I said, well, how did I get this? And they said, well, it's sporadic. And that led me to have a pause because I don't think anything's sporadic. I think it's all about cause and effect. So a lot of Western medicine, which is fantastic, if you have a problem, they fix it. If you have symptoms, they repress them. If you have something growing on you, they cut it off. Great at that. Incredible. And robotic surgery is truly miraculous, and they're getting better and better. But I want to get into the causal. So I went to this Ayurvedic doctor and had a bunch of tests run, and they found, you know, some things in my chemistry need to be addressed. So I'll be working with them, and I'll be reporting on it over the next month or so. I'm going to go through some treatments three times a week and uh, see if I can reset my body chemistry because when your body chemistry is set the right way, you won't get sick in any way. But it all stemmed from the fact that um, Western medicine said, yo, you have something that's sporadic and uh, more of a innovative medicine, holistic medicine said, well, there's got to be a cause. It's got to be something inside and something on one part of your body could affect what's going on in another part of your body. And you really got to track those things because you got to get to the source and you got to, you got to 
get to the cause. And when you get to the cause, then you can get to the symptoms because you'll be preventing the symptoms. So anyhow, that's something that I'll be doing. But um, in terms of detoxification, which uh, came to my mind when I'm going through this process, I thought about, well, what are some ways that we can all uh, kind of detoxify? Because, you know, going from 2016, where everybody really was like saying that was the worst year ever. I don't think it was, but depends on how you look at things. Uh, I had a lot of good things, and I'm sure a lot of us had a lot of good things happen last year, but it's easy to focus on some of the, the negative things. Um, but in terms of detoxifying ourselves, you know, you have to break it down into you've got your body, you've got your mind, and you've got your spirit. So a couple of things I'll be writing about is, you know, if you want to detoxify your body, one of the things that we really run into is the body, you know, we collect from uh, GMOs, uh, a lot of pesticides, uh, we get heavy metals in our body, and a lot of that stuff over time can cause, can cause illness and chronic illnesses. So you really have to watch what you eat. So I'll have some thoughts on that, I, how to eat cleanly, how to avoid meat, how to avoid fried food, how to diet. I'm on a new diet now, and it's uh, actually it's not a diet. What I'm doing is I'm taking the year, and uh, instead of jumping in, which is kind of sticker shock when you start to, you know, you've been going through the holidays, and then all of a sudden January 1st, boom, you stop everything, and maybe start juicing or whatever. It's 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 not easy, particularly in the middle of the winter. So what I've decided to do is every week I'm cutting something else out and making it really easy on myself, and. Uh, by the end of January, I'll be pretty much about 75% of the pl- where, place where I need to be in terms of elimination. So I started by eliminating alcohol. I don't drink a lot, but I like wine. I enjoy some tequila now and then. So I cut that out. So that's been gone for a couple of weeks. Then I cut out ice cream because I was enjoying ice cream over the holidays. I have a little bowl of ice cream with my three-year-old son. And I cut that out. So I just scoop it out for him and I m- m- managed to not be tempted. I've been tempted, but I managed to resist temptation and I've cut out cheese and uh, dairy for the most part. Maybe I'll have a little skim milk in a, in a decaf coffee or something like that. But if I can, I always go for almond milk or coconut milk or whatever, but avoiding dairy, but cutting out cheese. So no pizza, no cheesy, whatever. So that's this week's my new thing to cut out is cheese. So as I move forward, uh, Every week I'm eliminating something and it's been very easy. Now, my weight hasn't really gone down and I've been doing a lot of cardio, but I know that um, it will. It's just a matter of just eliminating, peeling a few things more out of the diet and I'll be fine. I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat in about eight years now. I eat fish uh, and I feel a lot better as a result, but it's an interesting concept And uh, you might want to consider that. So for your body, focus on the diet. Um, For the mind, uh, a couple of things. One is read. I know when we look at the computer all the time, it's it's reading. But, I mean, read a book. Pick up a book and carry a book around with you. Throw it in your bag or whatever. And some type, whether it's your Kindle or you just have a paperback, something, always try to be reading something. It's it's a good thing. And uh, the power of story can be very powerful and uh, even these page turners are well-written for the most part. You have to have skill to write these books, to evoke emotion, to tell a story. And most of the stories are, are about something. And I've written two books. One got published. The other one was more of a practice book. But I got to tell you, it's a real craft to learn. And, uh, and I enjoy it. But 
I appreciate the fact when I'm re- like I'm reading right now, I decided, well, you know, I want my next fiction book to be very fast paced. So I picked up a Lee Child book. He writes those Jack Reacher novels. And I saw the one movie with Tom Cruise in it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a whole series. It's like wham, bam, really, you know, fast paced action. And uh, this guy, Lee Child, he really knows how to write. And so I'm reading his book called 61 Hours Now, about halfway through. And a guy really knows how to set up a paint a scene and set up tension and turn a scene and have some, you know, blind alleys you go down as you're reading, trying to figure out what's going to happen. But it's a real skill. So for your mind, read. Read stuff that's not just for information. Read some fiction. Read stuff that's not just on the computer. The other thing is in terms of uh, uh, your mind is going to tap into spirit also. And that has to do with reading also. And that is when you're dealing with social media, you know, sometimes we're on there and people have gotten in back and forth with the Trump and Hillary and Trump and Hillary. And then, you know, now it's not about Hillary anymore, but it's about is Trump, you know, how hard is he horrible or not? And uh, there's no swaying the people who voted for Trump. It doesn't matter with the Russian thing or the golden showers or all anything that he's been allegedly involved in. It's not going to change because he hasn't been sworn in yet, and the people who voted for him are going to dig in, and whether they're right or wrong, and if even if they're wrong, they're not going to want to admit they're wrong until they lose their health care. <laughs> but uh, right now, that's not the case yet. So I did something that's really worked for me. I just saw posts, people from my high school, just some guys who were, I was like, ah. <laughs> I don't even see these guys anymore. I don't even know them. And I read their posts and it is like, it's amazing. It's like so not thought out and I'd get into it. And then you have all these other people jump on and I'm like, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to unfriend these people, these guys I know. And I don't even know who their friends are. I'll just unfollow them. So I don't see their stuff anymore. And I feel a lot better because I don't need to go on Facebook and, and see toxic, ignorant posts on there all the time. So I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I've done that for about a week now and it feels really good. So spiritually, you know, think about that. The other thing to think about is, you know, can you find a few minutes a day to either do some affirmations or do some meditations? And if you want to work with manifesting, which everybody wants to create things, well, having read Neil Donald Walsh's uh, Conversations with God, the whole series, and then going back to it, probably the, most, the two most important concepts I got out of that series were, number one, and this is the real eye-opener, is that God doesn't take sides, and God really experiences the, himself or herself or whatever, uh, the universal consciousness through us. We're all connected. So the experience is through us and it's not judgmental and there's no retribution. It just is. And uh, you're like, well, but somebody does something bad. They have to pay for it. Well, they're just on a certain place on their journey and they'll end up paying or learning or whatever. But it's not about punishment and hell and all of that stuff, because, you know, if God is love, there's not going to be the type of retribution that mentally we think about. So something to keep in mind. The other thing I got out of it is that when we want to manifest, I think the one thing that people, the one, the one ditch they kind of drive into repeatedly is they want something. And you have to change the concept of wanting into choosing. Because if you want something, and that's what you're trying to manifest, if you will. Trying is not a good word, but you're working on manifesting. But 
Wanting keeps you in a state of want. It's always a step away. Whereas you choose it and you choose to work with the universal consciousness, the universal consciousness will invariably work with you if you let it do its work. So it's not about wanting, it's choosing to say, this is what I choose. Work with me. Show me how to do this. Show me how to serve by doing what I want to do. Show me the way and I will serve. And also it's about service too, that it can't just be, you know, material goods just for our own thing. You want to take care of your family. Of course, that's something really good. That's a form of service. So keep those things in mind when you're working on your uh, spirit. Uh, The combination of those things will help you detoxify. So I'll be writing about that and it should be posted in the next couple of days. Anyhow, that's that. Now let's talk about our show tonight and let's talk about our guest, Allison Carmen. Uh, She's a fellow New Yorker. And she is the author of the book that I mentioned earlier called The Gift of Maybe. I've had her on talking about that book in the past. It's fantastic. And we're happy to have her back. She returns to the show to discuss why all the uncertainty in the country and in our lives is actually a good thing. She was an attorney and she was addicted not to drugs or alcohol or gambling, but her addiction was to certainty. Every moment she desperately sought to know or predict what would happen next. Kind of a controlling thing, you might say, and it trapped her in spiral of anxiety, uncertainty, and fear. And don't you ever find out, you ever just wake up in the morning and just filled with anxiety because, you know, there's uncertainty there? And that's a lousy feeling. And I found myself uh, occasionally waking up that way, and I'm like, I got to work my way through this. So I start out doing some affirmations for alignment in the morning. But anyhow, Allison's going to join us uh, to discuss how embracing the concept of maybe has dramatically improved her life and outlook and how she can help us with our lives and how we can improve our outlook. Good evening, Allison. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you, Robert. So good to be here. So um, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about the book. H- how's your experience been since you uh, got the book out there? What type of response have you gotten? What have you learned from... Uh, launching this book and uh, the comments and questions you've gotten about it? That's really a a great question. The book has been a very interesting experience. Like anything else in life, it it has its twists and its turns. But the most interesting, interesting thing I've learned from the book is when I wrote this book, it was a daily practice of mine. It was something that I would be in and out of all day long based on what was happening. It alleviated my stress, the idea of maybe it made me more present. But over time, I had people start to call me and say, you're not going to believe this. I have more faith in my life. And it was interesting. When I wrote the book, I I discussed this idea of maybe could help somebody maybe have a type of cognitive faith where they're willing to hang out in the unknown. They're willing to embrace uncertainty like somebody who actually had actual faith. But over time, I think what happens with this concept of maybe is that you allow yourself to hang out in the unknown. You allow yourself to engage in what you don't know, and the more you hang out in there, you start to have a relationship with the universe. You have to start to have a relationship with the infinite field of possibilities. And then you shift. You shift from this idea of maybe to actual faith. And it's such an incredible experience now for myself and people I've worked with for them not to have this constant questioning about what's going to happen next and instead have this ease about what they don't know and actually not to mind at times. So that's been the the biggest experience that I've had with the book. And, of course, you know, there's on to the next book, too. So <laughs> life has a bunch of un- unknowns. 
Well, that's fantastic. Um, so the, just for our, the, uh, for our listeners and for folks who are unfamiliar with the book, uh, could you just uh, just give a quick overview of, I know you, you, you dissed it in a way, but why, why maybe? It's about really possibilities because as I, as I had mentioned that so many people, including myself, oh, the other day it happened, I woke up and I had like anxiety. I'm like, why do I have anxiety? I think a lot of it comes from the media, actually. Uh, you know, the TV pumps out a lot of toxicity. But um, tell us about, uh, you know, why the concept of, what it, the concept of maybe is, and wh- how you can kind of start to, people can tap into that so they don't have the anxiety that they are so used to have uh, woven into their fabric of who they are. Sure. I mean, ultimately, we suffer because we think we know. Isn't that an interesting concept? We're suffering because we think we know what's going to happen tomorrow. And in order to make ourselves feel better, we write stories. We write stories about what needs to happen in life for us to be okay. And we've discussed this before. We write stories about our jobs and our love life and every relationship we're going to have. And we say, this is what's going to happen in this part of my life, and this will happen in this part of my life. And it makes us feel like I know where my life is going. And we don't realize that these stories really are creating suffering because life has uncertainty. So the minute something happens that we didn't expect, we lose our job. Uh, The person we thought that was going to fall in love with us didn't. Our child doesn't get into a particular college. When these things happen, we we fall apart and we believe that life's not going our way. And we forget that uncertainty always existed and we were just playing this game. And we want certainty so much because it makes us feel better, makes us feel like we have control because ultimately we're afraid we're not okay. So until we shift this relationship with uncertainty, we're going to have immense amount of suffering in our lives. And I think like you talked about before, what's happening with the election is that it's brought uncertainty right in front of our face. And you want to run away from it, you can't. See, other times we play this game, we'll write a story, we'll make ourselves feel better, we'll ignore something, but the election is just in our face. And so with this election, with Donald Trump uh, being inaugurated on Friday, we can't run away from the unknown. So then we have to face it. How will I deal with the relationship of uncertainty? And for me, because like I always said, I was addicted to certainty. I needed to know the minute I didn't, I just fell apart. And this idea of maybe came into my life. And when it came into my life, it made me realize that not knowing is the best thing in the world. Because when I think I know, I'm actually shutting down. I'm allowing only one possibility limiting, into my right? life. Yeah. What? It's limiting. It's limiting. It's like I, I – and if it doesn't, the thing I thought was going to happen doesn't happen, I feel doom and gloom. With this idea of maybe, it sounds so simple. It's one single word, but it reminds you at any time, I don't know. And because I don't know, maybe things will change. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe my thought's not true. Maybe something else will happen. Maybe I need to act. So it just creates this place where that one fear is surrounded by all these possibilities. It almost dilutes your fear, and it makes you realize that maybe you are still okay, and maybe Donald Trump won't be so bad, or maybe he'll be awful, but we'll do other things you know, to help make the world a better place, or maybe in four years someone better will come into office. So what it does is just takes us from this restricted place and gives us hope and gives us possibility, but no attachment. So it's hope without attachment, and it is liberating. And since November 8th, I have to tell you that I fell so hard into maybe that this is the, I think this is the least fear I've ever had in my life because he puts me there. He puts me in maybe. He makes me see every projection I have makes me suffer. 
and it's not real. You could create a nuclear bomb in your head if you want to, thinking about the future. So this idea maybe brings you back to the moment, and in the moment, you become so powerful and knowing what you need to do, what you need to act. And that's what people say, oh, maybe it's going to make me complacent. No, certainty makes you complacent. Maybe allows you to be so present that you'll know what to act, what to do, and because you don't have the fear, you'll be most productive. So that's the maybe practice. And, and, and today and tomorrow and the next weeks and months and years, I think it's the best place people could be for those people who have this tendency to need certainty. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the you know because the inauguration is coming up Friday and a lot of people I can see uh, let's say the on the left if you will are they're filled with I read you know people I know on Facebook and they're filled filled with an outpouring of of anxiety and uh, you know I always think that you know the country we always get the candidate that that we deserve whether it was George Bush or or Barack Obama or Trump. And I think our consciousness, our collective consciousness, where we are right now, created, you know, a Donald Trump. And with all the uncertainty that comes with him, because you don't know what he's going to do. And then when you think, oh, what is it? You know, nobody ever talks about his policies because we haven't seen anything from him because he spent his time criticizing and he's great at it. And he's a great salesman. Like I'll fix it so fast your head will spin. And now it's, Two days from now, well, maybe the good news is now he's going to be in the barrel and he's going to have to show some things. And I don't even know if he agrees with the Republicans, if he agrees with the Democrats, maybe some of the things he does. I mean, if you separate his policy from his behavior on how he treats people in the press and all that in terms of policy, like what is he going to do with health care? He says he has a plan that he's going to everybody's going to have health care. Does that mean access or does that mean health care? Pre-existing com- conditions will be kept. Is that true? Kids can stay on their parents, uh, you know, plan until they're 26 and everything's going to be cheaper and drugs are going to be cheaper. Now, he's promised this and he's not going to touch Social Security, Medicaid or Medicare. So maybe maybe, Allison, talk to us about this. Maybe that's exactly what you're talking about. Maybe there's possibilities that it could be a good thing. Maybe he'll go his own way and you'll have instead of just Republicans and Democrats where the Democrats are now outnumbered, we'll have this three headed. We'll have this three headed. I don't want to call it a monster, whatever you have, (laughs) Democrats, Republicans and Trump. You know, you could be 100 percent right. That's the beauty of maybe it allows us to sit in the moment and not judge it and see it for what it is. And in this moment, you're exactly right. Based on everything that he has said, we have no idea what's going to happen next. We actually never do. So that's the interesting thing about Trump. We never know what's going to happen next. But because we keep our lives so safe and we try to walk the same way to work and we keep the same Uh job, we think we have safety, security, and certainty, even though we don't. And Donald Trump just reminds us that we don't know. And that's why we're all so uncomfortable. We're so uncomfortable because we're, all, we're already worried we're not okay. We're already afraid that the environment is, you know, global warming. We're afraid there's going to be war. We're afraid of all these things. And this guy every day saying, yep, it's uncertain. It's uncertain. So this is our opportunity to say, what's my relationship with uncertainty going to be like? Because mm-hmm. that relationship is going to dictate how you wake up in the morning, um, how you're going to get through the day. What are you going to say to your children? How are you going to go to sleep at night after you, you watch the news? It's going to dictate everything. So, yeah, it's this practice of maybe. The practice of maybe will let you see what's a projection and what's real. What I'm projecting, you could always maybe it out because you don't know. Like you just said, everybody's saying, 
oh, everything's going to be terrible. Everything's going to be horrible. We don't know that. Maybe that's not true. Maybe he'll do good things. Maybe he'll do bad things. And the beauty of it is if we're in maybe and we're not in fear, when a good thing happens, we'll accept it and we'll embrace it and we, have, we will not have lost any sleep over it. And when something happens that we don't like, we will be so in our power because we'll be so present. We'll have the resilience to act and do what we need to do. And I know that I have all these people in my lives, they're already they're gathering. They're getting ready for um, – you know, to fight certain things in healthcare, mm-hmm. to fight certain things with women's rights. But they're also, but the people who I see that are afraid or they're overly angry, they're really spinning. They're spinning. And it's interesting, Donald Trump is not giving his power away. And I think the only way for us to keep our power is to have acceptance, resilience, and maybe. And I think if we can do this, we will figure out what we need to do next. Mm, I think that's beautifully put. Maybe Donald Trump, using the word maybe again, maybe he's using that uncertainty. And those possibilities in terms of kind of finding his way. I mean, you can't if you go through, you know, I liked, uh, you know, I liked, I like Obama for a lot of things, but I don't think he did a damn thing about GMOs. And I think he kind of protected Monsanto and and uh, the whole labeling and all of that. But then if you look at it and you say, you know what, do we really need GMO labeling? It's very simple. If the package doesn't scream non GMOs, you know, it's a GMO. So, you know, if you if you use that possibility, if you use maybe you can find a way, you know, through it. And then you take Trump and say, do I dislike everything he stands for? Well, you know, he wants to eliminate the death tax. Personally, I think if you're getting taxed, I don't care how rich you are. If you've had to pay taxes throughout your life, you shouldn't be taxed on the way out. I know it's income redistribution and all of that, but that's just my personal feeling. Um, so I don't disagree with every single thing he has to say. So maybe again, yeah. that he will find a way to come up with some policies that make good common sense. And maybe he'll go against the Republicans. You know, maybe he'll be more like a Democrat in some ways. It's just his per- I think what freaks people out is, now, I thought after the election, he'd step back and say, OK, you know, let's we said there was a lot of vitriol put out there during the campaign. Let's uh, let's get together and really, you know, find some peace here because we're all Americans. But I, I he, he's just been as nasty as ever. And yeah. uh, he, that's yeah. that's disconcerting that he's yes, so it's very disconcerting personal. and he's very divisive. Yeah. Um, but again, he's not getting my power. I, it's mm-hmm. the strangest thing since November 8th. I'm like, this man doesn't own me. It, it, and he doesn't, and we could all be that way. And if we keep our own power, we will join yes. groups. We will, mm-hmm. And it might take a while. We might not look. That's what's so great about maybe. We might not see the results the minute we want it. There are things that we might be able to move in a week. There are things that might take us two years to fight for. But, again, I, if we're going to live in that constant state of fear and worry, we're not going to have the strength and resilience to do mm-hmm. what we do. So it's, it's either we get comfortable with uncertainty or we're not going to be able to handle what happens every day if Donald Trump scares us. And I mm-hmm. think of most of us, um, and you don't, some people won't need the practice of maybe, just for me, maybe such an easy tool. Because all you have to do is look there and say, what's my thought? Well, mm-hmm. my thought is Donald Trump is going to blow the entire world up. My thought is Donald Trump's going to ruin Social Security. He's going to ruin Medicare. And then I ask myself, am I absolutely certain? And at this moment, I'm not. So if I'm not certain, where are the maybe statements? 
and then you may be it out. And I can I can guarantee somebody if they sit with maybe statements for 20 minutes, that fear that took over their mind, it will lessen, it will soften, it will quiet, and then you're going to see the infinite field of everything that's possible. And we're going to have probably have tough times where it might not be as easy to find maybe, and easy times where we're just so ready, ready, willing, and able to hear Donald, when Donald Trump does some does something good. So for me, it's like. It gives me resolve, resilience, and I really hope that people, instead of the fear and the anxiety, they allow themselves to embrace this idea because it's, it's a great place to stand. And again, the more you allow yourself to say that uncertainty is my best friend, I'm so happy I don't know, you can actually cultivate real faith in your life, which to me is the most beautiful place to live. And you can make things, uh, you know, your your day to day. If you live in the present, that things are more exciting than if you have everything mapped out. And this is supposed to become this, and this is supposed to become that. Because, you know, I've, one of the things I've learned from all my guests is that uh, you, we're we're exactly where we're supposed to be, and we're right. a reflection of our thoughts and our consciousness. And we can change them. Also, it's just right. a matter of uh, you know putting in the effort. Now, in your book, you mentioned some exercises. Um, so what is your favorite exercise to reduce for the people out there to reduce worry and anxiety? I mean, you kind of touched on that with dealing with Trump, but just in general right. for facing each day, what, what specifically can people do right. to put the maybe well, concept in practice? Well, the first thing, and I'm, you know, the first thing I would do, which is not in the book, and I think you talked about this before, is you know, this pra- these affirmations, this practice of gratitude, I find that the greatest place to land is that we have a tendency to always think about what's not happening, mm-hmm. right? Well, all the things that aren't happening in my life. And if we could start the day or start every, you know, every time we're feeling a little off or feeling a little afraid, just ground ourselves in what is. The good things, the things we appreciate, the things we like, the things we love. Because sometimes people need a little grounding before they start an exercise. So I find that the practice of the good that's happening in my life, the practice of gratitude is always a beautiful place to start. And then ask yourself what your biggest fear is. What's my biggest fear today? I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid my child is not going to make any new friends or whatever is bothering you. And then ask yourself, am I absolutely certain that thought's true? And most often we're not certain. Most often we're projecting into the future our fears that we're not okay and our life's not going to work out and things aren't going to get better. And the minute you recognize, hey, this is a thought that doesn't have certainty, what else is there? And then you do the maybe statements. And you could do it for five minutes, two minutes, ten minutes. And sometimes you could start them very broad. Like my favorite maybe statement is maybe Mm -hmm. everything is okay. And it just reminds me, whoa, maybe I'm just telling a story and it's not true. Or maybe this will get better. Or maybe I need to do something. Or maybe this is like awful right now, but I can accept it and still be okay. So there are all these little ways that you give the mind an opportunity. See, what happens is we all really want to be hopeful, but the fear is so paralyzing. And with this idea of maybe, it gives the mind a little opportunity, a little opening to leave the fear and enter this bigger playing field where more is possible. And even if you do the exercise, and you end up with one possibility and one fear, well, then at least you diluted it a little bit. And I find the more people recognize they're not stuck, they're not doomed, other things are possible, they start to shift. And that's what I hope people could do now, uh, like I said, in their everyday life, but also for this big event that's happening for the people that are really nervous about uh, Donald Trump becoming president on Friday. 
Yeah, I think uh, you touched on something real nerve, and that is uh, gratitude. And once you start, I have found that once I started, begun my day, well, I do two things. One is I, I start my day by aligning myself, saying to myself, I'm aligned to truth. So I want to keep my alignment there because I think that the old adage of you have to really, really work really hard for everything. I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm learning that it's not because some people who don't do much of anything have gotten incredibly lucky and have major things happen. And a lot of people who have busted their hump for years and years have not made it to where they want to be. So there is some randomness to it. So, um, so I try to align myself to sort of have the universe kind of work with me and do the heavy lifting and kind of let go, let God. And the other thing is, uh, you know, gratitude. There's so many things to be grateful for. And once you start being really, I'm feeling grateful and uh, feeling appreciative, I think things start to change. You, you have a mm-hmm. shift in perception and it really helps and it lessens anxiety. And I'll give you an example. Like the other day I just opened the window. It was very cold in the morning. I'm like, wow, I am so glad that we have heat. You know, imagine what it was like when the, you know, for the settlers and a lot of people don't have heat and they're out there living there and the, and the elements and all of that. And, uh, wow, and we have a toilet and we have a shower and things, all this creature comforts and the TV and the telephone and the radio and the computer and all that stuff and latte, skim, decaf <laughs> latte and all the stuff we have that people get all so wound up about but don't take the time to appreciate right. that it almost creates more anxiety not appreciating all that stuff because and you don't want to like sell yourself short, like, okay, I have a roof over my head. Everything's fine. But you know what? Having a roof over your head is a really good thing. And you should never take something like that for granted. So um, could you elaborate just a little bit more on gratitude? Just riff off of what I just mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we have a tendency to only look for what's wrong. We're taught that. We're all taught in society. Like what, what else can we fix? What else could be great? I mean, someone once told me, um, you could walk into a kitchen, and there are dirty dishes in the sink. And you could say, my kitchen's dirty. My whole kitchen's dirty. Or you could take the time to open up all your cabinets, and you'll find that most of your dishes are clean. <laughs> and that's, that's gratitude. Are you going to like just focus on those, this little pocket of your life that's not perfect, or are you going to see your entire life? And when you're willing to do that, when you're willing to have gratitude, you'd be amazed at all the blessings that you have in our life. And, I, and it's interesting. I think that you know, we're taught that. We're taught to constantly want to achieve more. We need more. Things are never good enough. We're, we're never enough. So it has this whole idea of, of, like I said, searching for what's wrong, and gratitude is the search for what's right. And it's almost like we're filling up our, our cup every morning. We're filling mm-hmm. up ourselves with love, with, with kindness, with appreciation, and it really is the beginning. I always say a life of gratitude and a life of maybe, it's practically all you need. If you can mm-hmm. have gratitude and fix your relationship with uncertainty, you're really good to go. Because the thing is, is that, so you start off with gratitude and you're feeling really great. And this idea of what happens when we're afraid of uncertainty, we're always hanging on to something. It's almost like, you know, when you're in the airplane and there starts to be um, like some turbulence and you start Mm -hmm. to hold on to the seat and you get really uptight. What's the point? And that's the really thing about our, our like grasping for certainty. It makes us complacent. It makes us uptight. It makes us worry. So, so the more comfortable we are with this idea of uncertainty, um, we just the ebb and flow begins in life, and we really we start to manifest 
We access all that's possible. It's really, it's, it's a miracle. It's miraculous. So gratitude maybe I think is a great formula for, uh, for a really beautiful life. And again, you know, you talked in the beginning about the, cult, the cause, the source of where my pain comes from and or where my illness comes from. And I truly believe that our fear of the unknown is the cause. It's the cause of our, mm-hmm. all our anxiety and most of our worry, why we fail to be happy, why we fail to pursue our goals, why we, and also why we don't even have gratitude. It all sources from this one place that we're so uncomfortable not knowing because we're afraid we're not okay. And so if we could heal that piece, I think our life really starts to change. Uh, well stated. Um, okay, this is Guys Guys Radio. Um, our special guest is Allison Carmen, and her book is The Gift of Maybe. Um, Talk to us a little bit about um, parents and kids, because I think that's a really important topic. And, you know, you want to get the values ingrained in your kids early on and then let them kind of you don't want to you don't want to be controlling with your kids. You want to set them up with good values and let them. I'll give you a quick example. I I had my kid in a three-year-old. We put him in a parochial school and they had it was new for pre-K three. And I just felt that. It was one size fits all. And when you're three, every kid is developed a little bit differently. It's not like eight-year-olds where you can put them all in kind of one mold a little bit easier. When they're three, every kid's going to be different in terms of the scale, in terms of their development in different key areas. And there was no, there was no, in my opinion and my wife's opinion, there was no uh, sensitivity to that. So we said, nah, we're going to move them. So we put them in kind of a, a Montessori-esque type of environment where there's a language component and we're very, very happy. And I've noticed he's really, my son's really blossomed. So uh, because of that environment, and it is about, I think, possibilities and maybe. Talk to us about um, the concept of maybe and how it um, relates to parenting as well as uh, kids. Well, you know, Again, we're not afraid. We're afraid that we're not okay. We're more afraid our kids are not okay. And that's a real hook because we're attached. We're attached to our children, and our biggest need is for everything to work out. And so we end up telling the biggest stories. If, if my kid joins the soccer team, they'll be okay. If my child goes to this college, if my child has these friends, and these stories, they grow so much because we just say, I need to know this one thing. Please let me know this one thing. My child will be successful and healthy and happy their entire life. But what we do, though, is we end up limiting ourselves. We ended up having the most stressful, worrisome experiences being parents. And at the same time, we limit our children. Because if you think about what you just did, a lot of parents would not have the courage to do. They would have put them in the parochial, the private school. Um, this is where most parents send their children. This is they're going to teach my child. My child will become successful. And what you did is you said, wait a second, where's the creativity? Where's the imagination? Where's somebody exactly. looking for my authentic, my authentic child? And if we could do that, and that's a very maybe thing to do, if we could take a step back and say, wait a second, maybe this is not best. Maybe everything is still okay. Maybe I need to take a step back, breathe a little bit, and really figure out who my child really is. But we can't do that if we're afraid of the unknown. So, again, this idea of maybe helps us parent better because it, it makes us less – it makes us – it allows us not to know. And, again, if we're willing not to know with our kids, 
we're going to allow them to blossom and grow, to make their own choices. And it's not like we're not going to ground them if they come home after a night of drinking. It, we don't become a, um, like we don't become foolish, but we do permit more possibilities. And even in my own life, my child's applying to college now, and it's a roller coaster ride. But I'm in maybe. And I really believe in, in you know, she's really, um, she's very strong. She's very resilient. And I believe in who she is. And I know that no school will define her. No institution will define her. So I'm allowing her to have the freedom to figure it out. And I just think that's such a gift that we can give our children. But for our children, also at election, I'd have to tell you that I had 12 children in my house. And when Donald Trump, when the numbers started to come in uh, for Florida, these kids started to cry. And they were so scared and worried. <sighs> Because I mm-hmm. think that they, their parents didn't realize that, you know, we're very loose with our language. I, pro- yeah. I think that their, the parents pro- right, probably mm-hmm. said, if he becomes president, we're all going to die. His, so mm-hmm. as parents, we need to be very careful with our language because we take the maybe out of our children. So yeah. it's better that for me, I had to, I went into the bathroom. I, I was so aggravated. What was I going to tell these 12 children? And I nice. just kind of came out and said, guys, life has maybe. We don't know what this means. This might not be bad. And maybe we need to work harder and, and maybe he'll do some great things. And we need to be present and take a pause and find our strength. And, and as I was talking about, maybe you see the kids, they started to calm down because they were buying into that one story. So you sell a kid maybe. And they will be the ones that will go out into the world and fight for women's rights. They'll fight for the environment because mm-hmm. they're going to say, I see what's happening in the moment, but you can't tell me it's going to suck tomorrow. You can't tell me it's going to be bad because life has maybe. So what they'll do is they'll be hopeful, but they won't be attached, and they'll be willing to engage in new possibilities. Maybe there'll be people who invent you know, uh, more things that are electric or more solar power. We don't know. But – I think that there's so much possible, and I think the miracle happens when we allow ourselves to give up the fear and embrace what we don't know. So I believe that maybe it saves you as a parent, and it's the biggest gift you can give to your child. Yeah, and to keep the notion of maybe in their heads because, uh, you know, there's so much pressure on kids now, and they, they start earlier. You know, when I was a kid, when I was three, you know, I was in the backyard playing with a stick or digging, a, you know, playing with right. trains. That was it. I wasn't going yeah. to school back then. We didn't. And now, you know, the one day I picked up my son and I saw this, this, this he looked defeated. And I'm like, that's it. This is not the idea. What good is school right. if, if you if the kid has anxiety when right. he gets out? I mean, that's not that's against the whole thing. And maybe it's an American thing or whatever. But I think we just are hurting these kids along. And uh, the concept of maybe that anything's possible, letting letting them kind of gravitate to what brings them joy at an age of like three is super important because they're going to have enough. Absolutely. I had my child, my 13 year old uh, got out of a math class. She got a 78 and cried to me. How will I be successful? What college will I get into? 13. Six. And, and I'm saying to myself, and I listen, I teach maybe for a living. Obviously, I, I must have gone somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, or maybe it was the school. But I looked at her and I realized, wow, this, our children are being sold this, this lie. It's a lie. Because, and mm-hmm. it's so interesting. And I've had, I guess because I was a lawyer and a business consultant, I've worked with people who have not got through high school. And I've worked with people who have got went to Harvard. And what makes someone successful is truly how they see themselves in the world, how much they love themselves, yep. how willing their willingness to be creative, their willingness to take risks, their relationship with uncertainty, 
and then how they treat other people. To me, that's the ingredient. So my, I have. It, you'll never know who the most successful person is based on where they went to college or how they were brought up. So it's so interesting to to see the qualities that are really most important. And I, I just think that I hope that as parents, we remember that more and more. Yeah, well stated. Um, what was the um, tipping point for you? Uh, I know you've talked about this in the past, but I think it's important that our listeners know because you were a high-powered attorney, and uh, being an attorney is a stressful. You know, everything's based on precedent. Uh, there's an element of creativity in it that's a very you have to really mine your creativity, but it's super important in terms of how you tackle problems. But there's a lot of there's a lot of information. There's a lot of things that have been done that you have to reference and it's a lot of dives that you go on how did you uh make the uh bridge the you know the legal profession into this area of maybe for yourself personally what was the tipping point if there was one well you know it, it did start that i wrote my huge story that i was going to get a job at a large law firm i was going to make a lot of money i was going to marry this great guy and i would have no more uncertainty and i know it sounds like why would this highly educated woman believe this? But I actually did. And my second day of work at this large law firm, my office mate came in and said, hey, Allison, did you hear they're firing half the first years? And I was a first year. And, it, and they ended up not firing me. But in that moment, I mm -hmm. realized that the yep. game of needing to know, I was always going to lose. And so I couldn't write the stories anymore. And it, it destroyed me. It destroyed me because I couldn't handle uncertainty, but I knew there was no certainty. And I started to become ill and, and stopped sleeping. So I just tried to change my life. I tried to eat differently. Um, I tried to do yoga. And although I felt more calm, the minute something uncertain happened in my life, I would spin out of control. And then I heard this Taoist story, which I told last time I was on about this farmer, and it introduced me to this idea of maybe. And it was my own private practice. It, I just went home that day, and I started every stress I had. I'll never get more clients. Things won't work out. And this idea of maybe just question every fear. It like raised doubt on the fear and gave me more possibility. And I was never going to share it with another human being. It was my own private practice. It was nobody's business. And then the 2008 crash happened. And I, was, I went from law to business consulting, and my clients were flipping out. I had clients who had been in business for 20 years. They couldn't get loans. Um, yep. they, they, um, they weren't solvent. Their clients weren't buying, and so I, you know, I had an accounting degree, a tax law degree. I would go into their businesses, and I would try to help them, and no matter what I said, it didn't matter. And I started to tell the story about the farmer and introduce them to this idea of maybe, and it was the only thing that made them feel better because they were so uncertain. They felt like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen next, and it's bad. And this idea of maybe made them feel, I don't know what's going to happen next, it could be good. It could get better. Maybe I'll still be okay. So it just gave them a platform to stand on. And then one thing led to another, and every one of my clients started to need this through the 08 crisis. And then mm -hmm. I got an offer for a book, and it just became this – it just kind of opened up more and more and more. And it's interesting, though. It always pops up when there's a great amount of uncertainty, like the 2008 crisis. The book comes out, and now since November 8th, the book sold out for a period of time. It's like when people have no choice but to face uncertainty, that's when maybe really kind of gives people more peace and, and hope. So that was my, my journey, but it was never intended. It was really from my suffering and then to help alleviate my client's suffering, and that's how it blossomed. 
Mm, that's a great story, and it's so true, and it's so important for people to know that. Like, okay, he, I'll give you a two th- my 2008 story. I was actually out of work when the market crashed, and I got a job. I got a, I took something consulting. I took something new business for an ad agency, and I stuck it out, and I just – used my guile and my research and my networking and uh, got a client for the agency as they lost their biggest client. I pulled something else in. And within two years I was named, I went from sitting at a desk next to the administrative assistant of the chairman to becoming president in two years of the agency. And this happened during 2000 from 2008 to 2010. So, you know, if you go in there with that, it can be done, that possibility. Just, you right. know, don't let the exterior circumstances get in the way of what you know you can do and, and the possibilities of maybe. Yeah. So, but the thing is, positive thinking is hard for people. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going to do this. This is going to happen because if you're so afraid of the unknown, negative thinking is going to take over. And that's why sure. it may be so great because as, mm-hmm. as negative things do happen and, and you go through hardships while you're trying to get things done, maybe always lets you see, well, maybe things are still okay or maybe it'll change. So that's why the maybe practice yep. holds us up when the negative and the positive is happening in our lives. Exactly. So uh, great work, Allison, and congratulations on all your success with the book and with uh, really the maybe movement, let's call it. And thank you so much for coming on our show this evening, Guys Guys Radio, and really talking about something that's so relevant for what's going on right now. Particularly, I want to have you on right before the inauguration because I just I'm sure you read the same thing on social media and just talking with friends that a lot of people are freaking out. So this is good that maybe hopefully we've kind of calmed some people down and said, you know what, it could turn out to be a good thing, but part of it is going to be on us. I had a guy, last story, and then I'll let you get your uh, social media information. And guy on Facebook today wrote to me and said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Things are set. It's all rigged. We're screwed. And, uh, and I wrote back, uh, I posted back like, you know what? One person being positive can affect thousands of people. And if you did that times millions of people, imagine what we could do. And that's that's a, that was my maybe statement. And he actually yeah. came around and said, you know what, you're right. And how often do you see somebody on Facebook say, you know what, you're right. It was yeah. great. But the idea that's is great. you inspired me from because I knew you were coming on tonight and uh, we don't have to be all doom and gloom and negative. So right. thank you, Allison. Tell everybody where they can learn more about you. Find your book, et cetera, all your social media, your website, uh, social, okay. Uh, okay. Facebook, Twitter, the whole bit. Okay. And again, it sounds so simple that this little word can help mm-hmm. people, but I just I get I ask people to give it a try because it takes you from this cramped place in your head where you're so afraid and you know you're doomed to this open place where you believe more is possible. Um, yep. So yes, my book you can get the gift of maybe at all the major bookstores, independent bookstores, and on Amazon.com. My blog is. Uh, at alisoncarmen.com, uh, which I think I just said, and Psychology Today, Huff Post, My Body Green. I write for everybody. And um, I just hope my writing helps people get through this time so we could see that uh, we can hold our power and, and make changes, make the changes we want to see. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, and uh, congrats again, and uh, wishing you a great 2017. And when your next book's ready, let us know. Okay, Robert, thank you so much, and, and good luck to you. And I really enjoyed the first part of your show. You do a great job. And, oh, and also being on, but I really enjoyed you speaking. It was great. Oh, thanks so much. All right. Take care. And uh, remember, everybody, Allison Carmen, the book is The Gift of Maybe.
Okay, folks, uh, that's our show for this evening. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, one thing you could do to help me out to keep the show going, uh, we're going strong. But if you can rate, comment, and review on Guys Guys Radio on iTunes, that's, that's, that's a great way to help me eventually get a sponsor and really take this thing to terrestrial radio and really expand, expand the club, so to speak. So anything you can do in that way would be super helpful. And also, please feel free to buy my book, The Guys Guys Got to Love. So, again, that's our show for the evening. We have a very special guest next week, another author, Elon Golem. And uh, she's going to be on here, and we're going to talk about her book. And uh, in the interim... Uh, hold hands, everybody, and uh, don't fear the Donald Trump inauguration. It's coming. We're going to have to deal with it. And maybe, you, you, maybe you're excited and looking forward to it. And if so, good for you. And uh, let's all be positive and let's uh, see what we can do to make it work. So, again, this is Robert Manny, your guy's guy. I like to position myself as, uh, you know, I'm a, a regular guy on a spiritual quest living a regular life. And I'm here for you and for guys and for women and it's all about, you know, better men, better world. And when you think about it and you do the right thing, guys, guys, finish first.